creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 8th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studio on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And just down the road there in Nashville, author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, yes. Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Let's do this. It's another week. Let's go. I'm so motivated. Annie, your, your sweater is very, you have a very fuzzy sweater. I do. It's very Thank cool. Thank you for noticing. I like it a lot. I, I know you. we have a lot to get to. You know, maybe introduce the show. Then I have a question I want to throw to the cast that I should have asked last week that I didn't. But uh, okay. yeah. Well, coming up, coming up later, uh, we have author uh, John Pavlovitz joining us. He has a new book out. Uh, called hope and other superpowers it's not about comic books it is, um, and sadly it, sadly sadly it's not uninterested yeah i was gonna say that's why tyler that's why tyler's here <laughs> he's an interesting cat he he's, i've his his you know blogs about faith have been like retweeted by katie perry and like you know he's she's a big fan of writing he's also responsible for one of the most read articles on relevantmagazine.com of all time it's got like Four million page views or something. Oh so, wow! Interesting what, guy. What, what was that one? It was. What was uh, let me look up the exact name. But it was. It was about understanding the context of like the Bible, like how the Bible came together. I'll, I'll find out the name. I'll, let me Google it real so quick. So just a I'll, real like real short, easy read. Understanding huh? the Bible. <laughs> Understand how the Bible came together. <laughs> Snooze alert. One of those two minute reads. He writes books that aren't about superheroes and articles about the Bible. <laughs> Boring. <Can't wait. laughs> so, sorry, Annie. Only only three million other people really liked it. So, um, <laughs> Hey, Tyler, I know you're a superhero guy. Um, I'm not yeah. at all. At, right. at, at all. Right. I, like at all. I, at all like i i don't like if 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 a, if a movie is 90 percent cg I, I or it looks like a video game i'm just not interested I, I don't like having to suspend logic and stuff like that but i will say this tyler i took my son over the christmas break to see spider-man into the spider-verse and it was one of my favorite movies of all time it was <gasps> the coolest funnest it's so amazing it's the, wow i was astonished i couldn't believe what I, I was, was astonished as well i mean the soundtrack was perfect the animation style was perfect it was cool it wow. was like just fresh it was just like amazing. a fresh take i was it was amazing it was so good and cohen of course is obsessed i think it might be my favorite movie of the year i think it might be my movie of 2018 i i mean the name wow. of more top groundbreaking three, one three at the at the very least well that's a, i mean that's it, saying a lot when greatest showman released in 2018 i'll just say it's <laughs> <laughs> really musical? saying a lot Sir, I mean, just musical. just from a groundbreaking standpoint, the writing, the the originality of the animation style, the music, just the take on the whole franchise. I just thought it was it was refreshing. It was just fun. It I'm, didn't lag at all. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear that. And I do. I know that I think it's a really good movie for people like you who don't really care about comic book superheroes. Generally, I think it's because like, I hear that a lot. It's like it's a very that's like a black, that's how that's what you said to me as well about Black Panther. It's a great like entry level. If you don't love, you don't need to know. You don't yes. need to come in knowing a lot about the lore, having seen yes. other Spider Man movies or the Tobey Maguire ones. Even you can just sit down and enjoy. And then it. I got the bug, and now I'm I'm a Marvel fan. Marvel's yeah. one. Of, Andy's one of my big converts. Yeah, really, really, really. I just watched Civil War. I did. I meant to text you, Tyler. I watched Civil War. Uh, what's it called? Avengers: Civil War. 
with some of my friends over oh, the Captain America, the third Captain America. Sorry, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. With some of my friends over the break, and I loved it. Of course, it's I did. Great, isn't it? It's yeah. great. You just, I'm, I'm quite the convert. I apologize, guys. I was dozing off while you guys were talking about superhero <laughs> stuff, and I found the story about <laughs> the Bible that got like five million page views. Derek. Five things I wish Christians would admit about the Bible. He's also written for us: Confessions of a Recovering Christian Know It All. And Christians shouldn't try to scare the hell out of people, among other provocatively titled articles. Ooh, uh, John so Pavlovitz, yeah. everybody. Yeah, he's brought it. Go. He's brought it for the site for years. So, Jesse, you need to do yourself a favor and go see Into the Spider-Verse. It, it, honestly, you'll love it. I want to take, I asked my five-year-old son, because it's in the office, and Clark, uh, uh, our, our very own uh, uh, video and audio wizard, Clark, I, he was telling me, he took his four-year-old, so I asked my son, I was like, hey, you want to go see Into the Spider-Verse? And he goes, no, Dad, that looks way too scary. So I don't know. Oh. Maybe I'll just have to go by myself. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. That's really you can tell. No, I, I took my four-year-old nephew uh, over the Christmas break. I was in. I was in Cincinnati, and uh, he had this. Bit, he had this like Spider-Man mask, like this bit that he wore in, and he like had it over his head the entire time, like like sitting on top of his head. That's and adorable. then during the big action scene, when Spider-Man suits up, he like slowly pulled it down over oh, his nice. face. It was very sweet. Go. It was yeah. a very like it was a very sweet moment. And he didn't seem too scared. I was I was more scared than he was. Hey, so I have, I have a question for you guys before we jump okay, into ready. the show today. Because we, you know, I know we got a lot to get to. We got a listener of the week and all that jazz coming up. Hey, so uh, favorite. I'm curious. Uh, we were talking uh, before we started. Tyler got AirPods in his favorite gift of the year. What is the favorite thing you guys got for Christmas this year? Cameron, I'm assuming it's the socks with Annie's face on them. Yeah, of course gift. it is. Everyone's going to say that. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, Annie's socks were clearly... At the top of the Thank list. You so um, much. Did you at least put them on your feet? Are they comfortable? So I'm looking forward to them. You didn't even put them on your feet. You are a monster no. of oh, a friend. Wow. I, <laughs> I spent them my hard-earned money that I worked. I worked all year. I didn't. I didn't. I took a very small vacation this year so that I could buy gifts for my friends, and you don't even put the socks on your feet. I framed them. Like oh. I have all my famous Lying sports mementos. Lying doesn't get you anywhere in this <laughs> story. This is heartbreaking. I want to keep them pristine for resale value. I oh mean, eBay gosh. socks. Dead stock. eBay, right. yeah, dead stock. That's true. Tyler, I mean, Tyler got AirPods, and I literally have not like seen them. them. Tyler and I are, are constantly talking to each other. I have not seen them outside of his ears one time. Like, you love I'm them convinced so much. They're just, they're just stuck in there right him. now. I got them surgically grafted, so I can't take them out. I love them that much. We've, I don't Tyler want to do and I have talked probably two dozen times since Christmas Day. And every time he goes, dude, these AirPods game changer. Every time. You know how, you know how one of YouTube videos, like a YouTube blog or like an Instagram story starts with, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Like every yeah. Instagram story or YouTube yeah, yeah. blog. Tyler starts hey guys, every your, your Tyler Tyler starts every conversation. With, hey man, listen, these AirPods are a game changer. Tyler, that's not why I called, and I'm aware how much they've changed the game for you. <laughs> Annie, what was oh, your you favorite thing you got? You don't have any cords messing around with others. Uh, you know, I got uh, it, it's not arrived yet, but I was given a record player, which is really exciting. Oh, that's awesome! I, I know I've wanted oh, one for quite a while. All right, we need to talk. We need to talk offline about that because I need to know more specifics. Because if it's if it's an entry level one. I'm going to have to upgrade you. Okay. I mean, okay. Who gave you this gift? Well, luckily for all of us, it, my parents is the, it's the gift from the parents and they said, okay. pick out what you want. So Cameron, you can just boss me around. Oh, for real? You haven't gotten it yet. You yeah. haven't like, you picked, have you picked yet. the record. Right. Oh. I mean, I have two records. Guess what band I have two records of. Everybody knows. <laughs> Florida Georgia line. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> 
part two. <laughs> two times today, you've been the worst person I've ever known. Okay, someone else. <laughs> Mumford and Sons, obviously. Yeah, I, I Mumford and Sons, Mumford Mumford and Sons and, and the, the complete Dave Matthews collection. One of the big projects <laughs> I did over the Christmas break was... Chandler, don't I f- give him that. I finally <laughs> unpacked all my vinyl. Like, uh, like, I have a lot of vinyl I've been collecting for years. But then last year when I was transitioning homes... Sadly, one of uh, my friends' uh, elderly father passed away and he, for his entire life, had collected vinyl. And he had a, a collection of like 1,300 albums of like vintage jazz and stuff from the 40s, 50s, 60s. And I was able to acquire all of his collection. And so I've oh been going gosh. through his discography and it's just knowing like the intentionality he had and putting this together and stuff is just so meaningful, honestly, to inherit this stuff and, and, and add to my own. So like my, all, all my stuff, like I had some jazz stuff, but all my stuff was new albums, you know, and indie albums, stuff like that. And then to kind of go and like have it, I don't even know how to organize all this. I mean, it's like, do I go by genre? Do, do I go alphabetical? Do I go by decade? Like it's, there's so many albums in my how, house. What did you decide? Well, right now I just literally put them on the shelf. And now I'm thinking about like, how do I catalog yeah. all this? Cause there are some real gems in there. And you know, like when you have that many albums, it's just, I'm telling you any, but I can, I can help you okay. figure out a good quality sound yes. experience for a good, you. for a low budget. I mean, like there's yes, a yes. way to enter in, but you don't go one of those Crosley all in one that they, they look like a, you know, a suitcase or something like, don't do those. Don't okay. do the, let's get you a real one and a good needle and, It'll be okay, great. even though twice today you've been the worst person I've ever known, I will absolutely <laughs> let you boss this around for me. I so. really enjoy it. I mean, there's something about like, I have a room set up in my home where like it, I have the the big, nice, you know, the good speakers and like I sit down and I dim the lights and I put on an album and there's just something completely therapeutic about that. Like, I'm happy for you yeah. that you're doing this. Do you do it in the summer as well? People, all my friends tend to treat their record players like a winter activity. And to me, it's year round. Like I, 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 uh, I, I actually for Christmas I got um, some of those Sonos speakers from yeah. my from yeah. my mom and dad. Yeah, and, yeah, they're and, slick. And I got a, uh, a a thing that can connect to my record player that will then broadcast the analog to the whole house sound system. That's cool. So I can play oh, that's cool. vinyl like while I'm in the kitchen cooking or something like that. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, like, hold on. T- did you say, did you say that, that your dad got that for you? Uh, my mom and dad. Yeah. got me. That okay. I want to hear this though. I want to hear this. Cause we might've just, we might have some family tension here. Chandler, Cameron got sweet, objectively awesome speakers for his home that sound awesome. Uh-huh. Chandler, what did you and your mom and dad get you? Please tell me it was another copy oh, of your father's you book. What did you get? What did you get? Uh, Let's air this out right now. I got a printer. What? Like a 3D printer or just like a no, basic... No. Printer. Just like a like, plain old printer. One of those $30 Office Depot hold on, specials. Hold on, hold on. So Cameron... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Cameron, let's, just, let's unpack this for a minute. Cameron's <laughs> gift is thoughtful on multiple levels. Not only uh-huh. is he the is he's being renovated in a home that could really benefit from the sound system, not only does his profession you know, obligate him to listen to music in high fidelity and have a sonic experience to fully appreciate it. He also is a connoisseur <laughs> of record labels. Wow. It could not of records. It could not have been a more thoughtful gift. Like literally they thought through everything and it was the most <laughs> meaningful thing. 
Chandler, what was the when you opened the the printer? When you opened the box with the you were you Wait, when you see Cameron at the same time? Listen, you see Cameron yeah. open oh, a high end, unbelievably Beautiful. awesome sound system. What you know, perfect for his home, perfect for his interest. And then Jesse, it's like, you're and you're like, you got right your now. box, you're like, you're, you got your box, and you're like, oh, dude, I can't wait, man. That's I, they're thinking of me. Like I'm a DJ. I yeah. I literally play music for a living. What cool thing are you gonna get me? And you're like, oh, it's a, it's a printer in case I need to print something. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was wait, the logic? Chandler, wait, what, were what you happy, Chandler? Did you ask for a yeah, What's the logic? Yeah, What's the logic? When's the last time you've printed something? Else. It was a practical thing to get. So, yeah. I, okay. I still, I may have told this before, but like one of the most disappointing Christmas gifts I've ever witnessed being opened was it was young. It was all, all the cousins, everyone's together for Christmas Eve. That's what we do. And when and our grandparents, that's when they get, you know, growing up would give us our gift. And my cousin really wanted like a keyboard, like to play music, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, they pass around all the gifts all the other cousins wanted starter jacket. It was the starter jacket year for all of us. So ah. we open our gifts, starter jacket, sweet, awesome pullover, NBA starter jacket. I, Cameron, you I know what I'm talking that. about. Yeah, I, of course. I had, I had a magic one. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. did too. All the dudes did. It was, it, it yeah. was an attractive commodity on a middle school boy. I'll tell you what. We had one cousin that was like, I'm not going to go starter jacket. I want the keyboard. If they're ponying up because those starter jackets weren't cheap, then I think that they owe me at least the keyboard that I'm asking for. So he, sure enough, they passed around the gifts his is a long like rectangular box exactly like what you would think a keyboard in it is wrapped with a bow on it okay it's wrapped with a bow on it and he sets the box on his lap and starts playing it as if it's a keyboard like he hasn't opened it but he knows it's that keyboard he is playing he is mime playing the wrapped box for the family my grandparents are like hey listen don't be disappointed seriously he's like okay I won't and he's like playing they're like no seriously don't be disappointed he opens it up it is a hockey net none of us play hockey we have never played hockey it is literally like a pvc pipe hockey net like you would set up in your backyard like a like yeah for a backyard not big enough not not big enough to be a soccer net it was a hockey net we don't have an ice skating (laughs) rink near us oh Oh my gosh that's so sad what was their reasoning I don't think they I, I honestly think they forgot about the keyboard thing. And on the way to Christmas Eve, they were like counting starter jackets. They're like, we're missing one. I don't know who, but let's just go get the hockey net. No. You know, and oh. so. Oh, you know, no. Wow. That's that really sad. Christmas. That's, yeah. Really, yeah, that's, that's awful. Yeah. So, but Chandler, that's probably how I felt with the printer. I can you think of, can you think of a, a most Thanks. disappointing Christmas present that you've received? I, I, I can't. Most disappointing. I, mean, I can't either. I, I thought of a great gift this year and I wish I had done it. I thought about. It, I thought about. It. I did too. You just haven't got socks. Them yet. Socks with your face yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. No. You know. What I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. Um. You guys remember this? I think this would be like the coolest gift, and I hope someone gives it to me. It's gonna be incredible. Here's what my gift is. You guys. You guys. I'm sure are familiar with the long running reality show Storage Wars, where you go to these storage units. Yes. Like there's like people who are delinquent on their storage unit fees, and. Th- a sight unseen, you can auction them off and whatever is in there is now yours. 
You have to get it out, but it's now yours. I want to go to a storage unit auction, bid on one, sight unseen, and my the recipient of my Christmas present opens a box and there's just a key, a pat, key to a padlock on there, and I tell them you are the proud owner of a store of a delinquent storage unit. The contents are yours. The contents are yours. It's a great mystery that they get. I gave them a mystery to solve on Christmas. I think it's a fantastic gift. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give a lot of people padlock keys next year. You don't need to put me on your Christmas list, Jess. <laughs> hey, Tyler, here is a, a key to a delinquent uh, um, storage unit. By the way, you have 12 days to get everything out of there or the payments will go to you. So, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, You kind of give somebody a chore, like, here, clean this out. It's a Merry ton Christmas. of work. I, that's the thing I never got about those. I mean, the payoff versus the manual labor. Also, you have to have a thrift store or something to put the stuff right. in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just It just seems like not worth it. It could, when be, I watch it could be Wars. it could be a pirate chest in there. It could be, you know, priceless baseball. <laughs> On the off chance that there's like something valuable. Sure, in there. It could be a bunch of dirty junk from a hoarder. Um, but you also have the uh, you know, it could be an old classic hot rod sitting under a bed sheet in there. You just don't know. All right, we'll move the show along. It is time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Jesse? All right, I have a story of a long con, and uh, one person in this story is obviously the awesome hero. The other one is obviously the petty villain. I will let you determine who is who. Uh, The story is about Janine Clement. She holds the world title as the oldest person in the world. She's from France. She died in 1997 at the age of 122 years old. Oh up until wow. up until the end, at 122, she's doing interviews. She's completely lucid. She had no signs of dementia or, or Alzheimer's or, or anything like that. She's doing interviews. She's, she's in the Guinness World Record, like posing. She's, you know, very candid. And she's making jokes about it. She's like, I guess God forgot about me. Like... She's got material. She's got world oldest person material. Okay. So she had, she had time. She, she had a type five. Well, yeah, she into, had a type well five. Five. <laughs> Listen, the woman has type five. You know, it's like those great stories. You're like, well, what's the secret of longevity? And he's like, oh, I eat cigarette butts and drink whiskey and raw bacon every morning. It's like, oh, this what a charming story. You know, like, great. The world's those were 122. Wow. Can you imagine? So she, she died in 1997. Well, recently, a mathematician and member of the Society of Naturalists of Moscow University, just that he tells me he's one of those boring, petty people ever. Okay. He's a mathematician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's part of something called the universe, the society. I of hate when you talk unkindly about Russia, it always makes me scared. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm already persona non grata there. They've, uh, <laughs> me and Snowden, we've got to stay, steer clear. Okay. So, uh, he recently published a study called Janine Clement colon, the secret to longevity. All right. So this is a mathematician who was so fascinated uh, two decades after this woman has died and captivated the world with her elderly charm. He wants to blow the lid off and figure out what the secret was. Do you know what he determined based on his calculations and his research that the secret to becoming the world's oldest woman was? Any guesses? Um, A lot of sleep. Tyler? Um, uh, A healthy diet. Uh, no, no, it's not a healthy diet because, like, that's the craziest thing about usually the stories. Like, say, yeah, they, they always like, say it's like I have bacon and, and coke every day. Yeah, um, uh, I, uh, a loving family. 
here's oh, what here's what this sweet. here's what this stick in the mud mathematician determined. She was lying. What? So what? This guy, she, no, yeah, she this went guy, 122. This guy claims that oh he's God, found so evidence that, like, back in the 30s, she presumed the identity of her mother to <gasps> skirt inheritance taxes. So when her mother died, I guess she figured out a way to, like, get the identity Whoa. so she didn't have to pay taxes on getting her inheritance. This is amazing. So she presumes this identity. Uh, identity. Assumes. Assumes. Not uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Assumes this identity of her of her mother, and so she just gets like stuck in this lie her whole life. So for years it goes by, it's no big deal, you know. When she cracks ninety, then a hundred, then like one hundred and ten, and people start calling her up and being like, "Hey, you're like the oldest person in the world." She's not gonna walk it back now. She's right. been lying about this. She didn't want to pay that inheritance That's tax. Wild. So she just owns it. Like this woman just totally owns it. Like has the has the the hundred and twenty two year old stand-up material poses for pictures in the guinness world records gives all these interviews and so she just owns the lie up until the very end which one i think hey if you're in you're in all you're doing is inspiring people at this point like hey look i can live to 122 and and you know be lucid and happy um now there are people that is crazy there are people like the the people that confirmed at guinness world records they are saying this mathematician must be wrong there can't be any way that someone would be able to live a lie that lie this is how far this sicko mathematician, this is how petty this loser is. I'm sorry for the strong words. The, why he cares about this is beyond me. <laughs> like, this is someone who like measures the guy's longest fingernails just to make sure. Even those curly, gross ones that they keep yeah, in the velvet yeah, yeah. bags and pull out for Ew. the This is a guy that cares about this. For some reason, he's demanding that the bodies of this woman and her family are exhumed so that he can have like genetic proof that <gasps> oh she's lying. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Holy cares. How embarrassing to be exhumed because you lied. That's so embarrassing <laughs> Listen, for her. Can't we live in a world where someone just able to get away with a harmless lie that just inspires people <laughs> and is awesome? It's a great story. It's a great story. Who cares if it's not true? You know? What's more impressive, living to 122 or making everybody think Thank that you, you. Like, can, like such a like having such a airtight ruse? Here, that's the thing. She either holds one or two world records, one being the oldest person ever, or two the sweetest the lie. lie of all time. Seriously. Like you win, lady. You were able, not only did you pull off the lie, you pulled it off for like a hundred years. Like good on you. You know that's crazy. Talk, talk wow. about the least con- like least likely suspect. Who's going to accuse an old, a sweet old? lady who's hilarious like by the way da- yeah yeah who has a who has great material who's a great comedian who's gonna accuse her of like running a long con like this and what was the payoff was she thinking was she thinking like i know once i crack 120 price. i will be in pay dirt finally right. this long con will pay off finally <laughs> finally a hundred years from when i start or you know she died at 99 so 90 80 years from when i catch this lie i will end up the Can world you imagine over. making up a lie that lasts that long and the payoff other than the inheritance tax which i have no, i don't know what that was but Serious. the payoff was to skirting paying a few thousand dollars in taxes uh but the, the other payoff was getting this record you know that's a dedication to an awesome lie i think lying yeah. is wrong but if she pulled it off good on her like chill out <laughs> mathematician else, you know you know what she she went to the grave 
knowing that she had pulled pulled the wool over all of our eyes. Exactly. She, she died her. a happy woman. And, and, and uh, think about this mathematician. He's he's part of a society of naturalists <laughs> at a university. He's like, I can literally dedicate my time and education and untold resources to solving any problem facing the world right now, or at least attempting. Yeah. I think there's I think this world's oldest woman who died in 1997 something's fishy here that's what the next several years are going to who cares he doesn't want me digging into his life i bet who knows what kind of lies i'm gonna unearth in this this loser's life exactly he's a big fun police if you're a mathematician (laughs) something tells me you're a fun police too just lay off the lady was hilarious (laughs) why would a mathematician get involved in this is isn't this more like ancestry archaeology or anthropology i mean you think like a 23 and me thing yeah yeah it seems like somebody else would say that's odd not a mathematician the issue the issue isn't with gene clement i think it's all with this boring russian mathematician who just like spoilings everyone's fun it's fun for us to think that a hilarious old woman could live on nothing but bratwurst and bourbon for 122 years and be hilarious (laughs) up until the end and you've ruined it for everyone thanks russian mathematician for nothing for shattering dreams yeah i bet you were a lot of fun at the party this year on new year's loser (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Tyler? All right. Well, as you mentioned earlier, Cameron, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the, of the costume vigilante stories. Right. You know, I like to, I like, I like a story of somebody who takes the law into their own hands to extract the justice that more traditional, some would say boring methods of law enforcement aren't always able to provide for the rest of us. I respect the police, but they can't be everywhere at once. And sometimes, it's important. Sometimes responsible citizens, in order to make sure that justice is served, need to bend the rule, bend the red tape a little bit, bend the rules, and dirty, and ignore notions like due process. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we don't need like like if you know somebody did it, if you can prove they did it, and if and if right and wrong is at stake, then there's not always time to wait for the man to show up. Right. And, right. So, and so, it. in your day to day life, are you like yeah. that episode of Andy Griffith where Gomer Pyle, Barney did an illegal U-turn, and Gomer Pyle runs down the street yelling, "Citizens arrest! Citizens arrest!" To, I, to I, I, well. I don't see a lot of crime in my day to day life. This is okay. the kind of the, one of the flaws of the of the superhero genres that I just don't. I'm not there for a lot of like actual law breaking. Right. U turns, no. But if I uh, it, if I see a crime happen and it's yeah. I can either call nine one one and uh-huh. maybe in twenty minutes some cop shows up and he's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can okay. do. But right. it's I, been a while. I want I want to. I, I got a question for the cast here because if it's like a somewhat of a victimless crime. Like if a guy's at Walmart, this like you're at Walmart, right? This big corporate can go on. They got more money than they know what to do with. And you see someone sneak like a pack of gum in their pocket and they look at you and wink. Are you <sighs> reporting them or are you letting them walk out For the door? For sure reporting them. Oh, really? no question. Tyler. That would be, that would be an opportunity for me to like, to, I, I, hmm. It would depend on the person. It's so situational. Does this person look like they can afford a candy bar or is this a hungry? You is have this like no a Dickensian street no urchin idea. who this is their you only no Christmas? So this is all they've got. No. 
I have a strong sense. He I have winks a str- at you. I have Are a strong, you reporting them or just let it go? I have a strong justice side. Me too, Right Cam. and wrong. I, I, yeah. I, I, and I, I am I, the I, most recent victim of someone breaking into my Postmates and stealing $400 worth of food on that, or they bought $400 worth of food and I oh, paid for it. Wow. And so I'm like, no, no, no. We turned them all in. And you know the thing about, hey, everybody, when you break into someone's Postmates, you know what they have? Your phone number and your home address. Because yeah. you have to have food delivered. Yeah. So I have their phone numbers yeah. and their home addresses and Postmates is going after them. I will just sound, I will just say this. Everyone on this podcast sounds like a Russian mathematician. I know <laughs> sounds like a cool old lady who would have gotten away, who would have gotten away with it. It wasn't for those nosy Russians. Anyway, Tyler, continue. Well, well, well this, well, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about a crime. And this is, this is a crime that has a definite victim. Uh, this comes to us from Australia, uh, just, uh, west of Brisbane. And, uh, and there was a woman there whose name is Loki Karoy. And uh, apparently there's been a rash of car thefts in in Brisbane. And she woke up one morning and after a loud, she says a loud bang woke her up and uh, and there her car was gone. Her car was missing. So at the beginning, Loki did what any of us would have done. She called called the cops. Cops are like, we're on we're on the case. We'll see what we can do. We're, we're, we'll find your car. But here's the thing about Loki, and this is where this is where we get into some of the like the uh, the like logistics of superheroing is that uh, is that with great power, great responsibility. responsibility. I've learned that Loki has great power because she is a former contestant on Australian Ninja Warrior. So (gasps) she has the skills. She has the vigilante skills to traverse rooftops and engage, of course, in in hand to hand combat. So she gets on social media because the, because the cops are trying. I know that the Australian PD is doing their best, but, but they can't be everywhere at once. So she gets on social media and she says, has anybody seen her car? She had a Nissan. Has anybody seen her car? She starts getting some pinks. People are coming back to her like, I think I've seen it. Like, it's over here. She starts tracking it down. By that afternoon, she found her car. <laughs> she found her car. It was in a it was in a parking lot on the other side of town. And she says, and this is this is her quote. Uh, she said, these people were in my car. I saw damage on my car as well. And I just thought they're not getting away with it. So I got out and did something about it. Five minutes later, the police show up and they had to rescue the two teenaged assailants. One of them was 15 years old. The other one was 18 years old. Rescue them from a headlock that she had put them both yes. in as punishment for, to, for stealing for stealing her car. They the, the thieves had to be saved by the police. She yes. turned the tables on them. They ended up being the ones who needed who needed help. And she said, without social media, my car would be a burnout vehicle in a bush somewhere. Uh, they, they're charged. Both of the teens are charged. And, uh, she said, uh, I can under, she said, this is another hallmark of a superhero. I, I'm really a fan of Loki's by this point. This is another mar- hallmark of a superhero is then she turned and she showed some sympathy. For these, she says, I can understand where these kids are coming from. I had a rough, a rough upbringing, but that's shaped who I am now. I decided when I was their age, I needed to press the reset button on my life. So uh, she so, took that. So my rough option upbringing. was: so instead of snapping their necks, I merely left them in a headlock. <laughs> she had an origin that's story. Right. She she had an origin story. She like she had she went through it. She decided to dedicate her life to justice. She's obviously trained a lot. She was able to be yeah. a competitor on a very like. 
attacking two car thieves isn't the same thing as like having to climb up some sort of like like giant ramp or swinging from like monkey the monkey bar situations or I don't know if they do an Australian ninja warrior maybe there's alligators involved I can imagine it being there's there's probably a few more uh, death defying stunts than we get here in America but it's still a heartwarming tale of what can happen when one person decides that enough is enough and goes out there to actually to actually take the law into their own hands once again. Uh, a harmless, fun joyride by two good-natured, oh, fun-happening is, is, is ruined. Is ruined by some car. uptight ninja with a with an axe to grind. I'm so uh, impressed with this story. <laughs> she's com- she's a she's a game show competitor. She's she used to be she can't, she was a former army recruiter, and she charged these guys cars. She didn't know if they were armed or not. For all she knew, these were like they were getting ready to take it down. They were like mob bosses or something. Uh, but instead, she bested them. If you got a chance, like, you can hang out with someone who's probably going to make you do, like, a grueling workout all day <laughs> and, like, lecture you about justice. Or two kids that we might go on a little joyride around Australia. Guess which ones I'm picking? You know, I'm just you're I'm, doing you know, I'm not advocating sure. death. Well, you're going you're gonna to end up with your head. It, you're going to end up with your head shoved between the powerful steel like forceps of of a woman who could kill you with a with a simple twist <laughs> of her. She's she's the only reason she's not killing you kill is because she knows where you came from. Right. She was there too at one point, and Real she just needed joy. to be scared into being the person that she is today, the hero <laughs> that she is today. <laughs> Annie, are you are you really going after your Postmates? Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Yeah, yeah. The Postmates already refunded it and asked me for. So they put they refunded me because it was in Miami and it was when I was not in Miami, and so they were like, "Yep, we can tell that's not you." And and do you know what? Do you know what really bothered me? You guys are gonna. This really got my yeah, goat. Right. They changed my profile picture to a slot machine. <laughs> So mad. <laughs> what? I I had the, like in the Again, last six months, cool. oh, so I mad. had the same thing happen where like I was in uh, it was in August. I was in New York for Hillsong conference. I got a call from my banker and they're like, "Hey, you're overdrawn in your checking account." And I was like, "What?" Because I had the home renovations going on. I was writing checks to all these contractors, and she said, "Yeah, you're overdrawn." And and we pulled it up, and the these checks were not in my handwriting. So apparently what happened was I left a checkbook in the armrest of my car in my driveway and my, it was unlocked and people went in and stole my checkbook and started writing checks to themselves. Oh, it's so gosh. stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah. Like yeah. they write it, they write their name on that's the check pres- that's and, prison time and too. put it in their bank account. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so, oh, man. so my, uh, you know, I did file a police report. And, and I thought it would just be a tech, you know, formality. I went online, filled out the form for the police report. So, so I could get my money reimbursed right, right by did the you bank. Use Chandler? Did and, you use Chandler for cool printer to march it down <laughs> to the station? So, so I get a call the next day from, you know, the detective that was randomly assigned to the police report. And she goes, Hey, actually I'm going to go after him. Like, she's like, you know, I thought it would just be like paperwork. You know what I mean? She's like, no, I'm going to go after him. I, I can tell, I can track down yeah, that's like a where they deposit the checks. Yes. I can get the photos from the surveillance cameras and I'm going to, yeah, let's go. She's like, with your permission. I was like, yeah, go after him. Yeah. So like, uh, so a couple of people got prosecuted. Yeah. So. And that's my, like, wow. I mean, really to, to break into someone's Postmates and yeah, it's just feel, stupid. I mean, I'm like, you literally put your phone number and your address three different times into, and now I have all them. So literally we could next, for the next three weeks for our listener of the week, we're going to call the three people who stole food from me because <laughs> I have their phone numbers. You, you did the right thing. You did what you should have done. 
you should have you went to the proper authorities. But sometimes, again, I don't this isn't bashing cops, but sometimes they're held back by the man, by the by the powers that be. And I think even even like a lot of police officers would agree with me that sometimes the best thing to do is to go out there, find the guy who did it and give him a little good old fashioned justice. That's what I want to do with those three people in Miami, but decided against it as well. I figured I didn't want to call them because I didn't want them to be able to call me back. I figured if they're criminals, I don't necessarily want them having my phone number. Yeah. But you have a social media army and you could sit, you probably have people you could like send out a tweet like, Hey, how do I get it? All I've got is a phone number. What do I do next? And I bet there'd be some people who would come to your aid. Theft in the digital age is kind of dumb. I mean, like I I was similar to you, Annie, like getting their info. I, I was in New York one time for a conference and, and had my iPad stolen. And next thing I know, like this person, cause it wasn't locked. This person had access to my automatically signed in Twitter, Facebook, Netflix, everything, you know, it's just there. It was pre password days, you know, and, uh, or the, you know, the key, whatever the code and all that, it wasn't locked. And so I, all of a sudden I had to change all my passwords and everything to my accounts, but I, but I forgot about Netflix and I logged into Netflix like a few weeks later at my house and the person had logged in changed the avatar to their face uh-uh. to their picture and changed oh, no. the name and everything and we saw that it was in new jersey and all that i mean I, i'm sitting there looking at the person who stole my ipad you know not only that they've been binge watching the ranch with ashton kutcher oh, <laughs> a low life what a scumbag what a low yeah they life. probably totally messed up your algorithm of what you were watching that which is so annoying my algorithm is still hasn't recovered you know but you know, anyway digital theft stupid people That's the lesson here. All right, Annie, what do you have? Again, in a way that only uh, could line, could the stars align because we did not know this. If you put together Jesse's conspiracy theory of an, of, oh man, if you put together Jesse's conspiracy theory of a slice and Huck's Australian themed slice, I bring to you a slice where it has recently been reported that flat earthers have taken their belief system to a new level. Not uh, only are flat earthers convinced the earth is flat, they are now convinced that Australia actually does not exist. And all the people that say they are Australian or live in Australia are hired actors. <laughs> and actually what? all the planes that are flying us to Australia, all of the um, pilots, everybody is in on it. And they all know that they are actually flying you to South America or to islands around that region. But there actually is no Australia, you guys. I hate to tell you, that's the slice I bring today. There actually is no Australia. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with this conspiracy theory. And, and P, there are a lot of people who believe it unironically, what? as they do in the, in, what? In the, the flat right. earth. How, like, how, what's how? The, what would be the... Why would somebody make up a continent? Like, well, they just want you to live in Australia so that... How do you explain the photographic evidence of its existence? It, the I same mean, way that you explain the photographic evidence of the Earth's existence uh, right. being a globe. Of being you know, round. It's a, yes. like, it's a big it conspiracy that, yeah. you know, that the, 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 the UK's Flat Earth Conference just happened over three days. Over 200 uh, Flat Earth theorists were there. They heard nine speakers and one of the speakers brought this new science, if you will, we're going to put that in quotes loosely, that Australia is actually just 
just a conspiracy, just a picture they've put on a picture of a round globe and neither thing is true. You know, I recently read a really good How do you explain Hillsong? piece. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Holograms. Holograms. They're all way too good looking and sing way too good down there. It's can't be real. Like, wake up, Cameron. Wake up. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, seriously, the thing about it being like South America, or whatever. I mean, you can look at the that uh, at the people who live in South America just from a ethnicity standpoint, and there's no connection to the ethnicity of the Aboriginal people or the or the people who live in Australia. I mean, there's. Like that, that's is crazy. Why would people? Everybody, everybody in Australia is a hired actor. Like they, yes, we just that's find like the government, the one world government is finding people. The Illuminati is is hiring people across the globe. Like, hey, want to make some quick cash? If anybody asks you, just tell me you're from Australia. Talk like this, and that's that. that and then. I mean, profit. what about the people like our very own Adam Smith, American, who moved there? He's not well. He's not. I don't a, believe Adam was in Australia. How do asking. you know what you're about to say, Cameron? You're about to say he's not a hired actor. You don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing with conspiracies. Once you start believing one of them, all of the rest get more plausible. No matter how implausible they but, seem. But it's millions and millions of people who's funding buying them all off. And how has not one of them cracked? Illuminati. Yeah, that's how. I don't know. <laughs> you could theoretically just be dropping all of them in like a in like Western Siberia and just let let some people think that they are living in Australia when they're actually not. There is no such country. But but I mean that. But it's just as preposterous as a lot of conspiracy theories. But but that's plausibility right. isn't. You know, there's, I mean, again, in the most recent, um, you know, issue of the mag, we had a a piece about conspiracy theories, particularly how young Christians are, uh, you know, disproportionately susceptible to subscribe to them. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is when I hear about a lot of these conspiracy theories, I think it's kind of like wacky older people who watch, you know, you know, very fringe media outlets. And, And statistically, that article I learned in Relevant, that young Christians are actually more susceptible to believing conspiracy theories than other demographics. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And, and, Good on us. Yeah. Good on us. Yeah. We're a great people group. But, but you know, one of the people, I mean, it was like one of the anecdotes in the story was the guy who was like the, who stormed comic pizza with, a, a, you know, an assault rifle to break up what he thought was some horrible trafficking ring because of like the whole Pizzagate uh, conspiracy he was a 20-something Christian who frequently posted about conspiracy theories, but also his faith on social media. Yeah, you know, there's a real insidious side. I mean, some of it's just funny and totally absurd. But, you know, once one of the, you know, we talked to a guy in that piece who studies the psychology of these, and there's this inherent sort of confirmation bias that once you believe in one conspiracy, you become inclined to believe in more because it confirms your own biases that you're being lied to by powerful people. Because if you believe the moon landing was faked, then you can start believing, well, we can't really believe anything, but history books tell us. Exactly. Exactly. And even Steph Curry recently came out and said he believed, you know, he later walked it back. No, no, yeah. He said he was joking. I mean, he didn't, it wasn't like I walked it back like a politician who misspoke. He said it was a joke. I know, but did you hear the interview? It didn't sound the like a joke. The audio didn't joke. sound like a joke. Yeah. I hope it was. I hope it was, but the I, audio did not sound. It, it sounded like, a like joke. they were all like hat to. Like I felt like the joking thing was like a PR move to me. 
you know, but mm. I better want to take Steph at his word. I want to take Steph at his word. Yeah. It just, when it, when it happened, it would have never occurred to me that that was a, okay. So I didn't, joke. I didn't hear the source interview. So yeah. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Why are, why are I, that's so weird that like people like but think it, it, that there's something larger manipulating the social uh, awareness of what is real and what is not real. Like, like I don't get what they say, the conspiracy theorists, like this Illuminati thing. Like what's the motivation of the Illuminati yeah. and the funding of the Illuminati? Yeah. What's the purpose in faking a moon landing? Like I, like there, I don't get what they like, why would they think that that, that sort of information needs to be? That's contrived? a mystery to me too. Well, well I mean, same, same. It, well, they're the, Honestly, like a lot of the conspiracy theories that involve like this secretive new world order, you know, have some insidious origins and are at the root. A lot of them are anti-Semitic, you know, um, you know, we there a lot of it is used to turn people against, um, you know, what they see as the rich and powerful who control media and the banking system. But the whole but basically like the whole kind of premise that any any major conspiracy theory uh, relies on is that there are powerful people who want to who know that truth is more valuable than anything. And if they can only be the ones who hold truth, then they can manipulate the masses to think whatever they want for their benefit. And so right. a lot of conspiracy theories operate under this idea that we are like the whole sheeple thing. Like we are being guided by a force we don't understand for reasons we don't understand, but they're the ones profiting off of all of it. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, obviously it's incredibly convoluted, especially when you believe in a whole continent doesn't, isn't actually there, you know, that is just amazing to me. How do they explain the outback? I mean, it's just like, like, I've seen <laughs> like the outback, meaning like, like where kangaroos live or the restaurant that we the steakhouse. frequent. I, yeah. I was referring to the actual, you know, geographical the area of the onion. outback. You're talking about, okay. I mean, it doesn't look like any other the geography in South America. You know I mean? Like, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Well, that's Blame what the they're saying is onion. that there's islands and there's places around South America that all the pilots, all of them have bought in. And agree to fly you to places that are actually not Australia that they're calling Australia. The, the greatest like com, like one line I heard about conspiracy theories, because conspiracy theories operate under the thing that so many people have to be in on it and be doing their part and knowing what their part is and can never mess right. up their part or the whole thing falls apart. It's like anyone who believes in conspiracy theories has never worked in project management, right. which is like that's totally true. That's totally true. I, mean, I think I think the current I think the current White House is a case in point that it's impossible because like you have publicly a unified front in the administration. We're all on the same page here, and then there's like all these backdoor leaks, and there's all these anonymous sources saying all these other things about what's really going on. You know what I mean? Like if. If anybody like in power was any trying to company. control a narrative, it would be this administration wanting to put up a certain front publicly, right? And if they can't even get their own house in order where there's not other people saying, well, here's what's really going on, there's no way that there's a larger conspiracy that nobody's cracked or nobody's, you know, like yeah. outed. You know what I mean? Well, the, 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 the iron, I mean, and the irony of that is the sitting president is a conspiracy theorist. I mean, he <laughs> yeah. has paid large amount of money to try to prove that the birth Barack Obama wasn't born in the country. He's been a guest on the Alex Jones Infowar radio shows. Alex Jones is facing prosecution for slander and for endangering the lives of the, sh- 
of victims of school shootings because he says those school shootings never actually happened and the parents are crisis actors. A lot of those parents have to go in hiding. They already lost their children in a school shooting and they have to go into hiding because he's, you know, perpetuating this conspiracy theory that they're actors and it never happened and was all a big thing to try to enact gun control uh, legislation that's never been that's implemented. Wild. And like yet, the, 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 like I said, the sitting president will go and be a guest and give his implicit endorsement to someone who says horrible things like that. You know, right. the whole culture of conspiracy theories is like a lot of the entry points are funny because it's so absurd. But then when you start digging down, it's like this is actually a concerning you know and i think it also kind of robs i I think there are there's definitely uh like kind of like people who have a lot of power and influence have a vested interest in keeping uh our eyes off of whatever kind of seedy backdoor deals they might have done to get some of that power and influence but i think when you when they whenever the uh the curtain gets pulled back it's very boring stuff they're not it's tax fraud you know they're not they're not trying to create new countries or or fake moon landings they're just trying they're just trying to shave a few percentage points off of their next check to uncle sam it it seems like that's the sort of stuff that should be concerning and that i wish people would pay more attention to and that i wish we could close some of the loopholes around that but uh it's not nearly as fun as trying to figure out like who actually what what's actually is going on in area 51 yeah right but then you watch things like stranger things and you're like is there an upside down i don't know (laughs) july 4 season three there's not but you know that i always am one who loves conspiracy theories Okay, but see, like, okay, so something like that, like an Area 51 or whatever, like a, a, and a thing or, or a stranger things, an anomaly or a thing happened here. We, the government, don't want to cause panic. So we will contain that information is different than saying millions and millions of people have been paid to create a fake country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Sure. I mean, there's, but it's that sliding scale Jesse was talking about, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Exactly. You once, you, once you believe, yeah, once you believe they faked a school shooting, then how much? Yeah. It's not that much bigger of a step to say, well, we faked the moon landing, then we faked the a shape country. of the planet, and then we flaked, a, you know, faked all country. Yeah, it is a slippery slope, and that's why most people who believe in a conspiracy don't just believe in one. Like they believe right. they're happening all the time around us. You know, let, let, I mean, let's be fair. We are the media. And we're yeah. in on it. We're we're in on it. I mean, yeah. I mean, to the listeners, they're probably they can't trust us either. <laughs> I've literally read on like a uh, like in a Facebook comment before, like, oh, relevance paid by George. Like you, you constantly hear George Soros, like this, you know, this Who's Jewish seriously? philanthropist. He's like a Jewish philanthropist who supports mostly liberal causes, but he's the like he's like this, you know, kind of. Uh, boogeyman for people who believe in conspiracies that he's actually funding it. And so I've seen a conspiracy theory about us that we're funded by George Soros. And in order to, hey, uh, if you his, know, if his check clears, man, I can, we? What, we can use the, I mean, no, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> this episode yeah. brought to you are by all George of you Soros. You guys hired to convince me the relevance real and it's actually not. <laughs> up, if you up, don't Annie. ask, then we don't have to. We lie. put Annie. I will say this. Oh gosh! It, it, now, 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 you're putting the puzzle pieces together, Annie. How much does it make sense that we put all the work and effort into lining up these actual <laughs> interviews with real people to print in an actual magazine, and we send it to one people? Your life is gonna lie. <laughs> one, one person. <laughs> How does it feel, Annie? And the only way we can make Makes it all sense. happen is George Soros is writing our paychecks. It's yeah. just, thanks, it's George. Just, right. thanks, George. Okay, well. Yeah. Is Australia real or not? That's the question. Well, that I mean, I mean, we. Well, the question Annie, is: Is Joel we, we Houston know, real? We know it's 
definitely fake. I mean, those <laughs> the people sing too good. They write too catchy of songs. An entire country They're and they came cool, up with the Blue Manon and they all and surf. Right. And they all, have you ever yeah. seen a kangaroo? <laughs> the same about That's that. true. All right, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, John Pavlovitz joins us. Wanna walk side by side a while Just a few blocks up 7th Ave By the time we hit the park You're gonna be too old to wanna hold my hand It feels so good I'll have trouble letting go Magic is there for us all to feel Naming it You're listening to the Avet Brothers. The song is Trouble Letting Go. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Mid with Muchas featuring Cola Boy. Well, author and pastor John Pavlovitz has gained a name for himself for his outspoken and at times controversial blog, Stuff That Needs to Be Said. Uh, he's appeared in everything from Slate uh, and Cosmopolitan to Katy, Katy Perry's Twitter feed as she's a uh, fan of his writing. In his latest book, Hope and Other Superpowers, John looks at ways that Christians from all streams and political convictions can come together through the common ground of the gospel and why sometimes the people we think are most different than us actually have a lot more in common than we think. Here's part of our conversation with John Pavlovitz. John, so the the book has a really interesting premise where, you know, you use a lot of analogies um, about superheroes and our culture's fascination with with superheroes and some of the values they present. So I I wanted you to kind of talk about what's the heart of the book? What's the heart of the message of hope and other superpowers? Yeah, the heart of the book is, you know, what kind of person does the world need? And we all have a different opinion on what that is. But I think the kind of person the world needs is a story learner. I think the more we get to know people, the less we can sort of caricaturize them, the less we can make them into a a cartoon. You know, my journey has been one of growing up with a lot of false stories about people of color, about Muslims, about LGBTQ people. And the more I encountered people and began hearing their stories, um, I had a professor who called it becoming a student of what you draw. I was, a, I was an art um, student, but that works in so many levels to become a student of the people around you. And then you can see the richness and the depth of their experience. And it's, it's much more difficult to make them into a two-dimensional um, you know, object. Yeah. And kind of going along with that superhero metaphor, you know, you talk about hope and, and these other characteristics as superpowers. And why do, why do you character, uh, in addition to kind of like underscoring the metaphor, but why is something like hope so powerful? Yeah, for me, hope is a, so that thing that sort of propels you forward into a day that you might not otherwise want to walk into. And the fatigue that I sense in people is sort of that, you know, there seems to be a constant influx of, of emergencies. And so we wake up in the morning and we check Twitter or we watch the news or we walk out into our communities and we see just, you know, how much is required of us, you know, how much emotional energy, how much uh, compassion is necessary. And I think so. so what hope does is say, you know, I'm going to trust that I'm going to walk out into the day and live my convictions and put in that time and that when I get to that place down the road, it's going to 
is going to be worth it. And so it's an aspirational thing, um, which is, you know, as a, as a follower of Jesus, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. You may not see in, in the middle of your, of your journey, what this is, what's happening. It may not feel like progress is coming or that there's fruit being, you know, um, fruit happening, but you just keep moving. You know, it, it, it's so hard sometimes. I mean, even like this morning, the first, it's like you said, I woke up, looked at Twitter, and I saw this, you know, this other horrible mass shooting that, that was trending. And, you know, it Great. just, it's so heartbreaking. It feels so preventable. And, you know, uh, so how can someone, how can people who are, you know, f- constantly faced with this onslaught of just all these terrible things that are happening in our world that we want to change, how can they maintain that hope? Yeah, yeah, part of it, I think, is a uh, is having a balance of sort of engaging and withdrawing right now. I think if you look at this, you know, in the Gospels, it's, you know, there's all these moments where Jesus sort of disappears and he's off to a solitary, solitary place to pray. And I think we, in social media culture, we engage and we engage and we engage and we rarely withdraw to sort of recalibrate and to sort of recenter ourselves and to lean into the things that are important to us. And really to have sort of a, a normal, you know, everyday, beautiful, relational life. You know, I think Jesus does that. And then he, when he does approach the crowds, he's able to see them with compassion and not contempt. And right now, I think so many of us, were just stuck in that mode of engaging and being in the fray. And, um, and that, there's a collateral damage to that. So I'm always urging people to be informed and be on social media, you know, find your tribes of affinity and engage with your activism and all the things that matter, but then step away and make sure that you're paying attention to the smaller world that's around you, to your relationships and the people who you know and love and in your community. I think that helps. On sort of a practical level when it comes to that, you know, you you aren't someone who shies away from topics that can be controversial and, and polarizing and, you know, irrelevant. You know, we, we kind of talk a lot, a lot about similar things and it tends to spark these conversations online um, that sometimes get pretty vitriolic. And what's your strategy in terms of engaging with people who maybe disagree with you online and on social media? Yeah, I think it's it's an almost hourly challenge for people who do what I do. You know, it's difficult enough to have a, a conversation with person with a person that you have some history with or some knowledge of, and then to have someone just kind of fly into your face on social media. Uh, that can be really a, a difficult thing. And, you know, I'll get it wrong a hundred times a day, and you just try to kind of keep going. And I think part of it is in remembering that the person across from you, whether at a table or, uh, you know, online, they believe that they're doing the right thing. But, you know, no one believes that they're being harmful or violent or angry. Uh, and so to, to, to realize that everyone sort of has the same motivation and in their, you know, within themselves and in their heart, they think, I'm doing something redemptive. I'm doing something faithful. Um, I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm being a part of goodness. And that's, that's the most important thing to remember. I think that and not assigning motive to people, not not trying to under, think that we understand why they're saying what they say or why they believe what they believe, but to try to show them maybe the results of, in, in other words, politically, I may not know why someone voted a certain way, but I can show them the results of their vote either in legislation or in the stories of marginalized people that are being damaged. And so I try not to think that I understand why they do what they do or why they believe what they believe. 
You know, the, the, the book talks a lot about, uh, you know, different people who are inspiring and kind of their uh, approach to enacting change. Who's someone that really jumped out to you in the writing process that you were excited to kind of highlight their story? Um, wow. You know, there, there were some really great people. Um, one of them is Natalie Weaver and Natalie is, um, is a mom and she's a mom of a, of a, a daughter who was born with, you know, um, tremendous physical, uh, disadvantages and, and nearly died and, and she spent those kind of early parts of her of her journey with her daughter Sophia try, just trying to keep her healthy keep her alive and, and engaging this uh, the healthcare system and all the brokenness there and but what happened in her was as she did that she started to realize I'm not I, I'm a, I want to fight for my daughter but I actually there are so many people I'm meeting in this journey that that deserve equal representation so she became an activist and really engaged the healthcare system in ways she would have never dreamed and I, and I love stories like Natalie's because I think we all have that self-preservation to care about the people that we love the people who are close to us but what we're seeing in America right now and even in Christianity is that sort of tribalism that says we're going to take care of our own uh, I think what we're trying to do now is, is I'm trying to highlight stories of people who have a counterintuitive sort of compassion for people that they aren't even associated with, they don't even know. Uh, so I love her story because she just found these gifts and these abilities that she never knew she had. Um, and, and I thought it was pretty inspiring for me. How can the church do a better job of following the examples of people like her and, and kind of break out of the tribalism that it often kind of, you know, distills down to? I, I think it comes down a lot right now to church leaders to ministers and pastors and priests to actually be brave enough to, to speak fully authentically about, you know, what they believe Jesus is calling them to do and to be. In my journey, I mean, I was in the church, for, you know, in a local church pastor now for 23 years, but for much of that, really felt the weight of expectation and, and job responsibility. And that often softened my sort of stances. And I think right now, if, if leaders were just explicit in uh, pointing out things in the world that are really anti the, the heart of Jesus, I think that would free up their congregations a lot more to engage those things. And, and part of it is to not shy away from opinions that are going to be deemed political, because I think if that's, that's really, if we look at the heart of the gospel, so much of what Jesus did was loaded with political implications, and it, that didn't stop him from saying those things. So I think the church just needs to be uh, more brave about the about what, what they're passionate about. If someone were to come to you and say, you know, I, I see what's happening on the, the the way that immigrants are being talked about or what's happening on the border or, or these children separated from their parents or any number of issues that are going on in culture. Yeah. And they're like, I have all this outrage, but I just don't know how to channel it. And it's eating me up because I feel like that's the place where a lot of our readers and a lot of Christians around the country are feeling. How would you say yeah. this is how you can effectively channel that? Uh, you know, when I, when I look at the, in Jesus, you have the image of Jesus as the good shepherd, and I always love that because they sort of breeze by the fact that in saying that, you know, Jesus is, you know, compassionate caregiver, pastor for, for people who are hurting and marginalized. And yet, yet saying that, that image of Jesus as shepherd means to those he looked at as the wolves, you know, he was status quo changer. He was fierce activist. So I think it's about balance. It's about saying, okay, this issue... I can express this issue in in social media posts, or I can 
you know, fight legislation. But then I have to also give time to just simply being with people who are underdressed and caring for them. And so it's that kind of balance again between the fight uh, and engaging that fight and then caring for people who are being brutalized in the fight. So there's a lot that we can do. I think, you know, I always tell people, your daily activism doesn't have to look like mine. You don't have to be a jerk blogger. You don't have to be a subversive pastor. You can have a, a form of sort of everyday activism that reflects your personality style and, and, and your individual convictions. So it's just finding those small spaces on social media and in your local community or in your church. And, and you just feel like I'm making some sort of an effort. And that's really all any of us can do. You know, it's, it's, it's about saving the small world. I always say that. It's just whatever's in front of you, you know, try to impact it. That was John Pavlovitz. Make sure to check out his new book, Hope and Other Superpowers. It's out now. You're listening to The Trip. There's no vowel, though. It's TRP. And the song is Dragons in the MoMA. All right, it's time for the triumphant returnish edition of <laughs> you listen to the show and it's time to get to know you it's a listener of the week all right well our listener of the week our first one of 2019 is uh megan lyle welcome to the show megan hi Wait, well don't sound too excited uh, <laughs> wow. You sound like when the, you sound like when the dad like introduces his big plan for the summer vacation, and you're like, "Oh, sounds fun." Ooh, Miami. Ooh. You, know, you know what that high was to me? It was when you meant to call, like you intended to call, like Matt in your phone, and you accidentally called mom, and like your mom answers, oh, yeah. and you're like, "Hi." Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm busy, mom. We caught her off guard, uh, Megan. Where are you calling us from, or where are you? Where are you? Tallahassee, Florida, in my Tallahassee, house. Tallahassee, Florida. A uh, little behind the scenes. Uh, I actually, we met Megan. She attended the Relevant Podcast Christmas Spectacular. She and her friend drove down from Tallahassee. And as before she left, she pulled me aside and she said, I have tried to be Listener of the Week like four times. And one time you guys call me and I just missed the call. And I said, well, you got to hit us up again and remind, you know, remind me that we talked. And sure enough, she did. And it, look at this full circle. She followed through. She's our listener. Here we are. Yes. Dreams do come true. This sounds like right? Megan. I'm I'm listening to. It sounds like the thrill of a lifetime for you. <laughs> <laughs> Second only to seeing us I in person. Cool inside. I'm dying. I'm outside. I'm so chill. Are you Are you at work right now? No, the government shut down. So I am at home making some bread, cleaning my house. What oh. what 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 branch? What? what part of the federal government do you work for? Um, the Department of the Interior, National Park Service. Are you making bread because that's all you have to live on? Because that's you have no, no, have to live no on. money. <laughs> oh no! Do you need something? No, <laughs> it's okay. I have like two hundred dollars <laughs> in savings. That should. Uh, we're we're going to we're gonna start a GoFundMe for Megan. That's why she's on the show. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Holy oh, cow! Oh, well, yeah. I'm sorry to hear about that, but that's that's obviously a very uh, kind of a. a I'm sure it's a no no fun to be like out of work and not sure when you're going to be going back. It's my first one. My other um, coworkers they've they've been through so many. They're just like you know, just hold tight. It shouldn't last that long, but we'll see. Wow, wow, Megan. I have a question. Do you have a sweet park rangers uniform and hat? 
No, but my roommate does. She actually was a park ranger. I work in a lab behind the scenes, so I only get a cool t-shirt that has a polo and stuff. But one day I'm hoping to get the uniform. I have to sort of ascend to that role. What do you, what do you do? What kind of lab work <laughs> does, does being part of the department of the interior require? Or can you so, tell us? Yeah. In like the thirties and forties, the federal government funded a bunch of archeology span projects as part of the uh, great depression. And so those WPA projects, we have like 9 million artifacts in our lab from it's all archeology span related. That's wow. what I, that's what my specialty is. And so I process and catalog all those artifacts, identify the objects from, I'm working on Okmulgee national monument. So it's like the, stuff from Native Americans that lived here, you know, thousands of years ago up till like around the time of contact with the um, Europeans. Wow. Okay. That's very cool. That's a pretty sweet job. (laughs) I do have a quick question, Megan. I feel like you might be the right one to know this as you work um, for national parks and such. Uh, Is Australia real? Oh yeah. My roommate is actually half Australian. So unless she's been lying to me and her trip next week or whatever, There's it's going to be. Yeah. When you hear this podcast, you'll understand why we asked that question. Because okay. they're, they're all a bunch of liars. That's what we're trying to yeah. get to. Yeah. Oh, they are. All right. So here's a few of the, the, the listener of the week, the, some of the facts she sent us. So if you're a new listener, what we do is uh, we, from time to time, we ask you guys to tell us on Twitter, a few interesting facts about yourself and, uh, if somebody catches our eye, we invite you on the show. Uh, several of Megan's facts caught our eye. Number one, I found out the hard way you can't bring your own mermaid tail to Wiki Wachi Springs. Do tell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you remember how we were talking, you guys were talking about uh, the mermaid tail. So I made one, like my dream, my entire life was to be a mermaid. And so I saw this video when I was like 11. Oh. And so I saved up money. Finally in college, I made them, I made the tail. And on spring break, I went home and I was like, dad, can we, go to the spring. I want to, I want to wear it. I'm going to try it out in the spring water. It's going to be super cool. And um, we get there and there's this huge sign that says you cannot have your own mermaid tail in the water. And I was like, what? That's a very odd require. That's a very That's odd a weird rule. rule. Well, when people, people outside of Florida, maybe don't know one of the old timey tourist attractions in Florida, pre theme parks back in the fifties, uh, was, uh, this big natural Springs, Wiki Wachi Springs. And they did a show, an underwater show where they have, mermaids and, and so you now they have an underwater theater you can still go today it's an old kind of campy tradition and they have these wiki watchy mermaids that you can watch and they have like air tubes you know and they do all these like shows under the water okay so i apparently so people like her like megan come as mermaid fans and enough to the point that they had to make a, a sign <laughs> That's funny. I, I don't. Well, I don't. I think I speak for Megan on this one. Yeah. As an employee of our federal government, yeah. we don't need Uncle Sam telling us where and where we can't wear our own mermaid tails. Am, am I right there? I, you are correct. No. Uh, fact number two: I made the heir to the Dinosaur World theme park cry. Yeah. So he's actually really oh, nice. Gosh. His name is Marcus. And um, so their family is actually from Sweden. And I met him when I was at my first archaeological field school. And he's super nice. And so we're hanging out at night. and We're making a cake for the friend of ours that's having a birthday while we're at this field school. We're like every day we're digging. He's trying to get experience, kind of like see how like the field of paleontology would work if he was going to go into it because his dad, you know, is really into uh, making these dinosaurs out there, dinosaur world. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Your family, you guys sound really nice. And he's like, yeah, actually, I really miss them right now. I haven't seen them in a while. And he starts to cry. And I'm like, oh, I'm like so sorry that I was just asking you about your family. And uh, he just starts crying in the, like, the middle of the kitchen. Like the Did you slowly back out of the room? Oh, bless him. <laughs> no, I was just like, uh, let's start icing the cake. 
I guess. Uh, uh, Hopefully you'll see them soon. The fields are <laughs> only going to last like three more weeks. So when, when well, I'm catching a pattern here, when you're going through an emotionally hard time, you, you bake. Oh, oh yeah. I, I bake like crazy. My roommate loves it. Uh, fact number three, my mom, my mom tried to set me up in an, an arranged marriage. Yep. So uh, oh. my mom has this coworker and he's from Pakistan. And so he has like his parents set him up in an arranged marriage. He, he doesn't feel it. He's like, you know, I don't, I don't want this. Like I've been in America my whole life and I feel like I'm an American and I don't really feel like I should be in arranged marriage. And my mom is like, okay, listen, I have this like 20 year old daughter. This is back when I was 20 and um, she's American. And how about we set you guys up in like a fake marriage? Because that way, like your family will be like, oh, he's like a divorcee. Like he, he can't get married to another girl from Pakistan because he married an American girl. And so she wow. comes to me and she was like, here's the plan, Megan. You're going to like be in arranged marriage and like, it'll be fine. It'll be fake because you'll get, you'll get this guy out of his arranged marriage. And I was like, no, what? mom, why are you serious about what? this? Like, this is insane. Wow. That's insane. He should talk to his parents no. and say, I don't want to do this. Like not come up with another fake arranged marriage to get him out of his first one. That doesn't make sense. Hey. Listen, it, it, it sounds like the plot to a zany new Netflix called, uh, uh, movie, rom-com, rom-com, yeah. The Rearranged Marriage. And then, you know, the irony is after the fake ceremony, you guys actually fall in love. Yeah, that's right. I actually do like that, Jesse. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. good. I, that's good. Note, Chandler, make a note, Mark this. Uh, got I got to work on a little screenplay. I got to work on an yeah, uh, elevator pitch good. for this one. Yeah. I think uh, he's yeah, actually buddy. getting his doctorate degree, so oh, that wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last fact. Last fact. Here we go. I accidentally attended a Tabernacle of Hedonism meeting. (laughs) Oh Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, So I went to school at UF and in downtown Gainesville, there's uh, this place called Ma's Coffee Shop. And I just stumbled out, stumbled there with my friend who likes to kind of go explore downtown. And um, when you go through, there's actually a bookcase. And when you open the bookcase, you go through this secret passageway and there's like a sidecar bar. And so we're like, oh, there's this cool bar. Let's check it out. And um, we, we get our drinks and we sit down and we look over and there's like a camera set up. And we're like, what? And there was like some people. It was like a Tuesday night. And this guy gets on this like small stage. And he's like, hello, welcome to the Tabernacle of Hedonism. And I'm Reverend whatever. This is Reverend Angel Dust. And we're going to start filming our show this week. And I was like, what is Dust? We were oh we were like too afraid gosh. and uh, nervous to like get up and leave in the middle of the broadcast because <gasps> like the camera was kind of like so you stuck it out. Yeah. Was it kind of cool? The entire time. Was it kind of cool? <laughs> it was, was kind of weird. It was kind of a lot of rambles of like drunk people. Um, but I'm sure you can find that on YouTube. Jesse, just just all you need to know is she just started baking. Just immediately just <laughs> right. started. Yeah. Right. Right. She, nervous. she started nervously right. baking again. With whatever That's tools right. were readily at hand. That's funny. Well, Megan, uh, thank you for uh, coming to our live Christmas Spectacular. It was really nice meeting you. And I'm re- really glad, you know, we finally worked it out so you can be our listener of the week. You have very interesting facts. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well done. Yeah. You're not archaeologist. Good luck with your job. Hope you get yeah. back to work soon. And I will say this. If yeah, you come to too. any more of our live events, p- please bring freshly baked goods. That would be yeah, delightful. Yeah, sure. delightful. <laughs> well, yeah. I will. If you can figure out a gluten-free bre- bread, you know, that's my story. So bring oh, that along too. It's a little challenge for our next live one. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. Well, if you want to be a listener of the week on a future episode, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and send us a few uh, interesting facts about yourself. Here's a little clue. They should make for good stories. You yeah. know, like, don't be like, you know, I have a long toe, you know, like there's no Ew. story there. 
Oh, there could be a story yeah, there. And don't, <laughs> if, there yeah, if, if you have any toe stories, no, keep no, them to yourself. I, I will take a toe story. If it's yeah. an accessory <laughs> <long> toe, Annie, <laughs> yeah. I will take the story. Yeah, I take it back. Oh. If you have a really, really, really long toe and keep tripping on are, it, that type of yeah, thing. How about this? Yeah. How about this? If Gross. You, Cameron, Annie, ew. Annie, all right. Happy medium. If you have a really, really long toe that you weren't born with, that's a story. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hear it. I gotta hear it. Okay, okay, okay. I'll give you that. I'll give All you right, that. up, and uh, we'll get you on a, a future show. Uh, well, hey, many thanks to John Pavlovitz for joining us. His new book, Hope and Other Superpowers, is out now. You should go check it out. Uh, and also, uh, if you got a little Christmas cash burning some a hole in your pocket, head on over to the Relevance Store. There's some new podcast gear and merch available for the new year. Go check it out at store.relevantmagazine.com. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We will see you on Friday. Have a good week, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe entire country and they came up with the bloomin onion relevant podcast network